Hey, welcome to Ruined for Life. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Joel. This is the show where we talk about just all sorts of random things that once you've heard us talk about it, you'll you'll hopefully never see it the same again. And we actually hope we totally ruin we it for you. We hope we ruin you. <laughs> well, today we're talking about something Joel and I both have a lot of experience with, which is writing books. We have each written, I mean, we've written more than have gotten published, uh, but we've both published a couple. Yeah, and we've published more than we've sold. No, wait, that's not true. <laughs> Maybe written more than we've sold, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. I think everybody, I mean, I kind of believe everybody's got a, I think everybody's got a book in them. I mean, that's what they say. Everyone has a book in them. At least one. At because least everybody's one. got an experience, a unique Who experience on life. You know, the people, the people say that. I thought someone said that. The people. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about books and kind of the publishing industry. So people come up to me all the time and are like, hey, well, they were there going, here's the first response I usually get. Dude, you must be rolling in it now that you've written a book. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, let's talk about how much money people actually make off of books. Because it's like, rarely does a book sell more than about 700 copies. Like that's, well, I say rarely. Books sell more than that. But the general. That's like the average, right? The average, average number that, that kind of floats around is between 700 and 1,000 books that people sell. Well, that's the question. So I, I've actually seen that it's more like 5,000, but maybe that's average book sales and not the average book so maybe we're doing like different statistical analyses here like, yeah, so like an I mean, average book a general book that gets published you're saying only sells 700 copies yeah i mean that's what when i first got signed with an, uh, uh, an like, agency i have more friends than that on facebook yeah but you, you you've also seen how few of your friends actually buy your book that's everybody's true. like i'd buy a book if you wrote it and then they actually <laughs> don't buy the book i have a lot of people that follow me and they all tell me they buy my book and i'm convinced none of them do yeah right because you're like wait a second i have 700 friends and i've only sold 300 copies uh-huh. of whatever but and that's the other thing too then the other excuse is well i don't read books anymore i don't have time i do audiobooks so yeah. i just got my audiobook done for my mm-hmm. recent book we'll see we'll yeah. see we'll see who actually buys it that is the question i we actually um, me and my co-writer for my last book we just found out today that we are getting an audiobook Woo-hoo! for our book that's the like, book that sold like a bunch of copies right out the gate well uh, that my friend the co-writer sold a bunch of copies right out of the gate with but yes uh, comeback effect the comeback effect. yeah it's good book good book so that's the first thing is first i think people don't realize that there are a few authors that make a ton of money mm-hmm. right but stephen it's king. very stephen king uh jk rowling yeah uh, but it's very rare that people make a lot of money off of book sales because i mean for like my first contract i think i get like a buck per book a book a buck 10 if i'm lucky once yeah. i hit a certain threshold it goes like a buck 25 yeah and so that book was sold for like 12 bucks yeah, and what was what was your your your, your I was like it's twelve point five percent I think right on, on on gross sales no it was eight percent eight point two five or something like that I thought it was just a flat rate no oh. I think it was like eight percent of sales of gro- of of the sales is what you get right like the, 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 at the at the for the retail price or whatever is what you get for a book so the bottom line like my agent said he has people all the time they're like I got a book contract I'm quitting my job and he's like no <laughs> don't quit your day job because the question is can you survive I feel like of- that this is what that phrase was what, what that statement was made for is don't quit your day job for no for books. real like, yeah so like even if you get a great advance of twenty thousand dollars mm-hmm. like let's which do the, neither of us have right so like let's do the math on that i mean there's some guys that get you know you receive people get a six-figure book advance that's just that's rare right mm-hmm. like you have to have a track record of that um to get that. So even if you got $20,000, let's divide that by 12 months. Can you live off 1500 a month? Do you know if so? So, I mean, this is something that I think a lot of people don't realize is like what an advance is. So basically, uh, we get, you know, 8% or whatever our sales. So if my book sells for 12 bucks, I basically get a dollar. What an advance on the sales is, is that the, the publisher says, we think your book will sell 
2,000 copies. Mm -hmm. So since you get a dollar per book, we're going to give you $2,000 up front. Mm -hmm. Then you don't make anything until we've recouped that $2,000 of your royalties and then we'll pay you after that. So you have to sell a minimum of that for you to actually make money afterwards long-term from it. Hence the name advance. Well, advance on royalties. Yes, but I mean, it's, it's, it's something. A, it's one of those words that like you don't really think about. Yeah, what it it's means. a uh, what's it called? A uh, it's like one of those um, payday ca- payday loan. It's a payday. It's loan. a payday loan. It's a yeah. pay- That's true. Yeah. <laughs> what's really interesting is is you think about like oh, you know I was uh, talking to some some entrepreneurs the other day and they said you know whenever you're doing like initial public offering of your company you don't want to actually overvalue it. Because what that does is it'll make the value of a creator. So I, you know, a lot of people will say like, "Oh, you got a great, you know, a huge advance." Just because you get a huge advance doesn't mean that's a good thing either. So if I got, you know, a ten thousand, twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars advance mm-hmm. and my book only sells two thousand copies, that's horrible because the publisher will never want to work with me again. Yeah. Ever. You actually nor want will publisher. any other publisher exactly because these are public records they can look public at. Public records. So they, so <laughs> what you want to show is that like. The, the, the estimation for how many books you'll sell is probably what you're actually going to sell. If you can exceed that, that's great. But you at least want to like, that's the goal is to yeah. to undervalue your book. Under promise, over deliver. Exactly. Which is pretty much everything in life. So this is the interesting thing. So people are like, well, then how come, like, what's the deal with writing a book? Well, the thing that comes with writing a book is is influence. There's this weird thing that when you write a book, mm-hmm. people think you're an expert on it. Yeah. Um, which is sometimes the case. Yeah. But I know a lot of people that are written books that are clearly not experts. But uh, anyways, the point is, but that's where the the, question, the next question that I get from people all the time is, should I self-publish or I should, should I traditionally like use a publisher? Yeah. And I'm like, that is a really hard question. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you want to do. I don't know if I've even decided that for myself. I think I'm flip-flopping back and forth. And we've because, both done both. Yeah. So the last one, the one that I wrote by myself, I self-published. The one that I wrote with my friend Jason, we published through a publisher. Had a great experience, and, but like... I still am not sure that I'm sold on publishing. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's the, I mean, that's what's hard about it too. So like, especially if you're going in for influence. So I tell people all the time, if you want to be public, like doing public speaking, this is of course for nonfiction. Fiction's a whole nother world, which I dove into, but kind of ended up not getting involved in. But uh, for nonfiction, if you want to go into it for influence, so then you probably want to go with a traditional publisher because there's this like there's something about having somebody stamp your name like hey this is a legitimate book right yeah because we've all read self-published books where we're like dude you should have hired an editor totally to tell you the truth yeah you should have had an editor to tell you the truth which is a fortunate thing I had with the most recent self-published one I did I had a brutal vicious editor I say that jokingly she's really amazing mm-hmm. no that's actually what you want in it you, you do want a, wounds I mean, from a friend can be trusted not to hate on any previous editors but you want a jerk you want someone yeah. to be like dude this is stupid like I am bored reading this or something like that like that's actually one of the best things you can have here's the other thing about books and this is just a little insider information I don't mean to burst your bubble but people really probably won't read your book yeah maybe your mom but mm-hmm. like before it's published right so when I like whenever I'd write a manuscript I'd be like hey could you read this and I just know I've learned very few people actually have the time to read it you're talking about a, a friend to help you edit the book yeah so yeah. don't get a friend to do it pay somebody yeah if you're gonna self-publish so well and that's and, that, and that's really I think the question where the question comes down to is is should I self-publish meaning uh you can do everything a publisher does for you. So like yeah. the one that I self-published, I paid a designer, I paid editors, I did all of that. So instead of having, you know, cause then whenever I self-publish, what do you make? Like 70%, 80% instead of like 12% of the cost of the book? I I don't know the percentage of it. Yeah, Amazon. It's, it's a lot more anyways. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the idea is, is whenever the publisher's working with you, they're basically uh, gambling that your book is going to sell enough to cover their costs. And so they're trying to price it right. They're trying to like estimate how much it's going to cost. 
But whenever you do that, you're basically just betting against yourself if you're going with the publisher. Not yeah. to not to hate, and then again, not to hate on publishers, but you're betting against yourself. Well, or, publishers are a business. Yeah. So or if you're self-publishing, money you're is the answer. What's the yourself. question? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the thing with traditional publishing is, is you get this stamp of approval. Like, so one of the, the hindrances I had is I, there were, when I first my first book was tra- was traditionally published, mm-hmm. Vision Map was, and then I so it got me a lot of doors. So yeah. like radio interviews. But then when my other one was published, there were shows that I had been on two, three, four times before. And they're like, man, we love you, and we know this, and we've read the book, and it's really good, but we have a rule, only traditional published books. Yeah. So I couldn't get on the radio show this time, mm-hmm. which is like, Ugh. so it, it's kind of a bummer. So there's the value of that. It's like a, it's a key that opens doors where people are like, okay, somebody legitimate said this is legitimate. Here's the irony, though, too, about the publishing industry is that even though, so, so while being published gives you a stamp of approval that like people will listen to you really in order to get published you already have to actually prove that people listen to you yeah that's where it's getting yeah it's getting to that point where they're like we want to know how big your email list is if it's twenty thousand, we know you'll sell a lot of books yeah so what happens before you get a book published a lot of what you do is actually creating a book proposal often publishers want this before you've even written the book yeah they want to know what you're going to write about like everything about it but then the biggest portion that they want to know about is your potential to sell this thing so mm-hmm. they want to know about how you're going to market it your connections your endorsements your forwards you're going to ask for they want to know how you're going to hustle to sell this book so a lot of publishers don't even want to work with you unless you could probably sell two to five thousand copies on your own without the publisher even being involved yeah, right exactly so it's kind of weird that like in order to get the stamp of approval from a publisher you already have to have a stamp of approval yeah. From the publisher. That's like trying to get your first job. They're like, well, you need experience. Like, exactly. well, how do I get experience? I don't have a first job. Well, you'll have to find one. You'll have to find a job yeah. that, wants, that will give you experience. It doesn't need experience, yeah. which none exists. But the, but the so the thing about it is, uh, so these book proposals, this is another question. People are like, well, I'm, I've, wrote, I've written the book. And I'm like, here's the dirty little secret. Most publishers... Like they don't read the book. Yeah. They read the book proposal. And I've been learning that from, from the agent that we both use. Who's amazing. I mean, she's like, she knows what these people look for. And she's like, like the honest truth is very, like maybe a handful of people will finally at the press will finally read the book, maybe 10, 12 or something. Yeah. But they, your book is bought off of that book proposal. And the thing maybe a couple of sample chapters. Yeah. Yeah. And then you add a sample chapter, right? So you want to bring your A game right out the gate, but that's the thing with these, with these, uh, with these book proposals too, another thing you have to show is how there's, you have to do what's called market research. And this is another thing that I think is really important. People write books all the time. They're like, well, I don't read. I'm like, then you're probably not going to get published because here's the thing. They want to know what books are already out there that are like your book and why your book is different. Mm -hmm. Or why your book will either do as well or do better. Yeah. 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 So like, that's the hard part for me. I've got this book that's kind of a weird concept. It leads with one thing and then ends up in another. So I'm like, I'm comparing it to one kind of book, but it's another kind of book. So I had to explain that in the book proposal. I had to say, yeah, we lead with this issue, but then it comes out over here. Uh-huh. And and then the other challenge is everybody, I mean, like, here's the really hard part. It's hard to see your writing honestly. Yeah. You're too close to it, right? And so we get emotionally attached to our stuff. And um, I, that's what I saw. I would go to these book writers conferences, particularly fiction. Um, and we you, you get to pitch at these conferences. You get to pitch your, your idea to the publishers. And uh-huh. oh my gosh, I stood at the door where like you're waiting in line to pitchers pitch your book to publish it and like you'd see people like walking out just tears you know women have mascara just pouring down their face so this publishing conference should the should the uh should the tagline be life's a pitch 
Life's a bitch. And then you get rejected. <laughs> then you get rejected. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, so that's the challenge is you can't get too emotionally attached to your stuff because that's the, it's really hard for me. I remember the first time I got like some really honest feedback from somebody I paid to give me honest feedback. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was so mad for three days. But You don't understand. But it was so dead on. If I wouldn't have made those changes, the book would have been horrible. See, you know what that makes me nervous about is I'm actually working on a, a work of fiction right now. And... I hate it. Yes, yeah, you so hate your stuff. If I hate it. That's probably a so bad. So you side. shouldn't hate it until it, it until you've already got the book deal and you've worked so much on the final version of it that then you're like, why would anybody read this? No, I'm just like, man, this is so lame. It might be amazing. I'm hoping that I'm on the like the I'm the rare exception where I hate what I'm doing and then it's just going to be something that's fantastic. Never know. Maybe that could be a sign that if I'm hating it, that I'm going to like make it entertaining enough for me that yeah. Well, that's that's what's hard about it. So with writing a book, so here's the other question I get is people go, how do you even write a book? Hmm. And there's two angles. So like fiction is one thing. Maybe we could do a specific podcast on fiction, but I want to talk about nonfiction. Yeah, because that's really what we have the most experience. Yeah, I started out doing fiction and actually wrote a fiction book that we looked like we had a contract on, but then nonfiction took off for me. You should just self-publish that one. Get it out there. That's what I'm probably going to do with my novel once I finish it. Just like, I don't know. I might. It's a lot of work. It's a yeah, lot of work true. to self-publish, but so anyway, do it like the like other people and just put it out there without any it, editing. Yeah, <laughs> take it as it is, sold as is. Um, so with nonfiction, the people people ask like, how do you structure a good book? Hmm. And like, how, what's the word count it needs to be? Oh yeah, and that's a hard one too. People, and then the answer the the pros give you is it needs to be as long as it needs to be, which is not true, because a publisher generally yes. wants. 40,000 words yep. at least. Your your book publishers to justify the and this is the it's the ruin this for you. To justify the price point they want to pop on that book, they're going to set they're not going to be able to sell a, a little skinny tiny book for uh-huh. for $22. So they're going to beef it up. Yeah. Um I mean unless you're a big name author, right? Uh-huh. And and everybody's like, "Well, what about those books like uh Don't Sweat the Small Stuff?" Well, according to the people I've heard, the days for those are done. Yeah, right. I, that's not true. There's always the exceptions. There is always the exception, and somebody's got to take a risk on it. But mm-hmm. uh, the publishing industry, I, I don't see a whole lot of risk going on right I have, now. I have a friend who actually, I, he innately understands the concept that publishers want 40,000 words because he will read about a chapter or two of a book, and he's like, yeah, I got everything that I wanted to get from that book. Because to be honest, like you, you've probably read, read a book where about a third of the way through, you're like, this could have been done. Yeah. Like, I've read so many like that. I'm like, I'm I'm pleased. I'm happy with this. Like, yeah. Let's just end it Exactly. Here. Yeah. And yet they have to pad that word count. Yeah. I mean, it's like the the old worship albums. Mm-hmm. It's like any old album. You just needed one good song and you had an album and then yeah. the rest of the songs were filler songs. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably talk about CCM another day because yeah, yeah. we have a lot of fun knowledge that ruined CCM for us. We grew up listening to contemporary Christian music and... Uh, I'm kind of ruined for it. Yeah. So here's another thing about the books thing that that's very interesting to me is is as I talk to people, they're like, "How do I write a book? How do I write a book?" And then, or they've written a book, mm-hmm. and the thing that people forget is this: nobody cares what you have to say unless it has to do directly with them. Yeah. I mean, that's my rule for the internet. Everyone yeah. on the internet is a narcissist. <laughs> Once you acknowledge that, even non-narcissistic people, I'm a narcissist on the internet. We're all narcissists. I yes. only care if this article was for me or if your yeah. Facebook post, if I relate to it and like, oh yeah, that happened to me. Right. That's so that's one, I care. one of the challenges that when a lot of times I read people's books, it's their gut-wrenching story. And I'm like, man, this is really powerful. But unfortunately, there's no payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. So, and here's the other thing is don't wait till the end of the book to put the payoff. Yeah. So I know this guy who wrote a book and... 
he's got some really interesting stories and he really thinks his stories are very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just thinks they're amazing. Yeah. And they're all right. But it, he, there's some, I see these places in the book where he could have totally laid down some clear application to help people kind of get through the day or get through their life or challenge. He waited till the end of this 40,000 page book and I'm like, like maybe two in ten people are going to get to the end of that book, yeah, and read the application. But the whole they're going to be going. Because isn't that the stat? Like most people don't read past like page eight of a book. I can believe that. Yeah, that's why you'll have a, a graveyard of books on your bookshelf where bookmarks are are, are hidden in there, yeah. showing where you stopped reading. <laughs> Exhibit A, right behind my brother, right here. Uh, and I've gotten to the point where I don't I don't keep reading a book unless it keeps my attention. I mean, that's I I, I think yeah. that's actually a great book reading rule that yeah. stop reading the book as soon as it loses your attention. Yeah, or give it a couple pages because maybe it's just a lull. True, yeah. No, I I had to do that with a book, with the Stephen King book, actually. Like, I I was reading it. I was listening to an audio book, and I'm like, I'm dead. But I had heard that the series was so good. So I was like, okay, it's his masterpiece series called The Dark Tower, which supposedly ties in together all of his works. And I never actually read a Stephen King book, so I'm like, oh, no. So what what I've done systematically is gone back and read every book up until when Mm. that book was published. And now I'm enjoying it. Now I'm really enjoying the series, but... Uh, I had to stop because I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm not enjoying this. And it was just going to make me stop reading So the thing with Stephen King is he's, you know, he's fiction. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously something that resonates with people, right? So oh, yeah. a good story. So again, we would talk about fiction. Definitely. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Interestingly, though, by the way, one of the best books I've ever read on writing is Stephen King's book. On writing. On writing. Yeah. Uh, if the you ever It's called On Writing. Yeah, if you want to write a nonfiction story... The, the fiction guys are the pros at writing, like making a story readable, right? Because really a great nonfiction book is story-driven. Yeah. And the, the rules of story apply to nonfiction, to fiction. That's right. So you need to know how to tell a good story. And but, I think that's one of the hardest things you talked about, that people's stories, they're interesting to themselves, but what's actually interesting about a story is not necessarily what you think is interesting about a story. Right. It, it's, it's what resonates with the individual. So that's why it's so important to be, here's the word, the big word, audience-centric. Mm-hmm. Always focus on what the audience wants. And I think that's the biggest the biggest thing is you just, you've got to figure out what's the felt need of the audience. Which, if you'll notice, this podcast is completely non-audience-centric. We decide what we want to talk about and we just talk about it. Yeah, except people, people feel connected to us. We're, we're the exception. We're interesting. We are the exception. <laughs> just like that, just like your book. Just like your book is the exception <laughs> to the rule. <laughs> But I, so I think that the thing to keep in mind for uh, is a couple things. First of all, don't get into book writing for the money. Yeah. Um, second of all, um, figure out what's like what's what's comes. What do you know? First of all, and here, write about a, that. Here's a tell all. So my last check for my publisher, which they pay me a check every quarter for my, my royalties, was I think uh, thirty four bucks. No, I think it was like one hundred and thirty bucks, which was a good quarter for me. Dude, we need to go out to Roots, Chris. I know that you was can pay great. for yourself. But if I'm relying on checks every quarter. 130 bucks what's that that like uh 40 bucks a month like yeah that's not livable so that means i sold probably 45 copies that month maybe if you move to bangladesh Bangladesh. uh so don't get into it for the money second Mm -hmm. of all figure out what you already that's the other thing i I hear people writing i want to write about this i'm like well do you have any experience with that yeah well no then don't write about that right that's what dad says about the stock market is most people make their money in something they know about and they lose their money in something they don't know about exactly so write what you know and then and then make sure it's focused on the audience, mm-hmm. and then to de- deciding whether to go traditional or 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 not or uh, self publishing. That's kind of your call. I mean, obviously, if you can get a traditional publisher to pick it up, it's probably going to help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get as much money, but if you're trying to make a living from this, anyways, then I would question it, right? But then if you want, 
But self-publish, like some people just want to write a book for their family and some yeah. friends and have something around. That's a great way to do it. And you can go things like Amazon Create Space and you can publish your book. That's another thing I want to warn people about because this is the, I hear this all the time from people. They're like, oh, a publisher contacted me and they're, they so want my book. They said they've never read anything like it. I just have to send them $3,700 and they'll take care of everything. And I'm yeah. like, that's not a traditional publisher. That's you betting against yourself doubly. That's what's called a vanity <laughs> press. Yeah. And what they do is they hire somebody for $1,800 to lay out your book. They tell you your book's amazing. They lay it out. They print it up. And you have to pre-buy 2,000 copies. And 1,899 of those will be sitting in your garage yeah. to the day you die. To right? the day you die. So don't do that. But I hear that all the time. They're called vanity presses. And they're like, but they're a branch of Thomas Nelson. Yeah, they are. But that doesn't mean anything. It, a traditional publisher will never ask you to fork out money yeah. to them. So you might as well just do a self-publish yourself, pay the money, and then you get the royalties. Like, And then you don't have to pre-buy as much many books out front, too. Yeah, because they actually, one thing people, when I t talk to friends uh, who are interested in writing a book, is they don't know about Amazon, which, and there are a few probably others out there, mm -hmm. but they have this thing called, uh, well, it's called Kindle Direct Publishing. I That's think right, it's called CreateSpace Amazon. doesn't exist anymore now. Yeah, yeah, Amazon Direct Publishing, where basically what they do is they actually, I don't know how they do this, actually. They print it on demand. So when someone orders a book, they print it, that day perhaps it's and then magic. send it out so amazon prime two-day shipping i'm guessing they have a few on hand already like they print probably the minimum amount that they want to keep in their stock right and then they ship it out just as if it was a regular book so it's freshly printed the day someone buys it or a few weeks before the day you can smell it. the ink you can smell the ink yeah right? that's something that's really cool is, is a lot of people don't know about that so let me ask you this would you encourage people to write a book yeah i'd say so i think I think what happened with me is I wrote probably, and you probably have the same situation. I wrote my first two or three books. Well, first of all, I probably didn't finish my first five books that I started writing. But then I wrote two or three books and I'm like, these are garbage. But then my third or fourth, whichever one it was, I was like, hey, this is actually something. Like, yeah. uh, sometimes, sometimes you got to get it all out there first. The the practice of it is yeah. worth it just, just in that. That little book vision map I wrote. I wrote it five other times. You had some hard drive issues. <laughs> that was the reason. Didn't you have a heart, a computer crash? or like uh, a That heart, computer like... crash probably needed to happen. That was destiny, that book. But the bottom line is you got to figure out your own voice. And the only way you do that is by writing. And mm -hmm. the other thing you got to do is you got to read a lot. Like you can, don't expect to write a good book if you haven't read a bunch of books. I'm probably, so like I don't read nonfiction, but I write nonfiction. And I feel like I do pretty well at nonfiction, but maybe that's because most nonfiction doesn't keep my attention because they're poorly written or they're not very story driven because I love story. Yeah. And so whenever I write, I want to write stories. So you disagree that you need to read a lot. I yeah, I'm probably uh, that's what everyone asks me what's yeah, but my you like, listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah, all, all fiction. I read Stephen King. Well, but that's it's JK still Rowling. reading. It's still reading and understanding structure. I understand stuff. structure yeah. things. Yeah. I I think that's one thing that I try to tell a lot of people is like the 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 goal of good writing is to know all of the rules. And then to intentionally to break, break them. them. That's like music. But yeah, but so you know the rules enough to know why you're breaking them and why breaking them actually works. But a lot of people, I think, uh, they read a book that breaks all the rules and they say, oh, perfect. So like, for instance, starting sentences with the word and. You can totally do that when you're writing. But... <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it all the time. I've actually had editors like pull me back from it because I do it so much. But the reason I'm doing that is because I'm trying to make it conversational. So I yeah. know the proper way to write. Yeah. But then I make it conversational and that's how I, that's why I'm breaking the rule. That conversational thing is so important because I just recorded that audiobook the other day mm -hmm. and I realized 
this would be really hard if I didn't write like I speak. Yeah, yeah. That's your one of your biggest tips to me was read your writing out yeah. loud, and if it doesn't I, feel natural, change. I've had a bunch of people who have sold a lot of books tell me that, like. Mm-hmm. Read it out loud to yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be like, this doesn't even sound like me. And that was one of the biggest problems I had with my most recent book is the editor wrote it and she, she, wrote, she wrote back and she basically said, no, no, just this no. This is the book that you're working on right yeah. now, not, not She says, yet. this doesn't even sound, no, no, the, the fully you, the one that oh, okay. She said, no, this doesn't even sound like you. And I got mad at her. But as I read it out loud, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even stand listening to myself if you say this. the thank you notes in the back of books, you'll see the angst that went through the writer's like <laughs> life at yeah. the moment of like the editing process. Yeah. You'll see that there's Dear so Joe, much pain. I hated you at the I moment. I hated but... <laughs> you. Yes, that's like the consistent thing in most thank you pages yeah. books. So here's the one thing. If you want to write nonfiction, two books that really impacted me the most, uh, I've got them right here, is the one, it's called Stephen King's On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft. Uh, it's loaded with profanity and F-bombs. Uh, so just go As in. As his other works are. So just go in with, uh, you know, whatever you got to go in with. Uh, and another one's this book called Writing for Story by John Franklin. I read that one from you, and that Very was Very good great. book. The first half of it, or is it the second half of it? One half of it's kind of lame. It's kind of like self indulging about how good of the articles he wrote but well some really each chapter each chapter starts with an article and they're kind of dreadful actually but yeah. his tips are amazing yeah there's some really great tips in here on how you write a good story so i would encourage you man if you've got you know if you've got well if you've lived man you've you've experienced Have something you lived man I, and the best thing you can write about i think is the greatest challenge you've, you've faced yeah because people want challenge they want to read about challenge and then don't just sit there and Here's a big word, bloviate about yourself. Yeah. Talk about how it applies to other people and what they can learn. So I always tell people this. If you want to write a good book, do this. What are the top 10 things you think people need to know to live a good life or to go through and survive what you went through? So if you lost a child or if you were in a car accident that lost your mobility or if you lost, what are the top 10 things you would say to somebody who's going through right now what you're going through and that's your 10 chapters? Here's my tip too to understand what makes your story interesting is be aware enough of other people's stories to know how your story is different because you'll find out that the majority of people's stories are the same. Like we all had parents that were flawed. We all had crummy experiences happen to us as child, as children. But like what is different? So mm-hmm. I, I remember I was reading a book, of, I think maybe writing for story, but whenever you're, for instance, describing a hospital bed or a hospital room, you don't describe the hospital room. You describe what's different about the hospital room because everyone can imagine a hospital room. Mm-hmm. Instead, you describe how is this different and that's what makes something interesting. Yeah, that's true. That reminds me of that book, The, the Glass Castle, mm-hmm. which seemed to break every rule, but when you read it, you're kind of like, wow, I thought my parents were bad. These people are horrible. So uh-huh. actually, the, the resonating factor was we all felt a little bit of what her parents did, but this was crazy extreme. And what was unique about it was that she was behaving like it wasn't wrong which right. made it the 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 tension there like you're like you could see what was wrong but she was like this is just my dad like exactly that's what's really crazy about it. that's what's so different about it is that you don't acknowledge the dysfunction yeah and so she let us unpack it for ourselves yeah which is really cool exactly so that's what i think anyways bottom line is i think everybody can write a book it takes a lot of work it's not easy and don't expect that you're just going to sit down and write it like everybody's like got the Rocky Balboa story. We're like, you wrote it one weekend in a hotel. Yeah, yeah that's not gonna happen. Like, I mean, I did that with one. 
it was on a plane, but I'd also spent like five months preparing this topic for, yeah, a, for, but we a, also for don't, a speech. For we a also don't hear how many times before he tried to write that book and it just didn't work. Like how many times before did he try and write that movie and it just didn't come out like that? So yeah. that's the thing with like the books I've written. Yeah, it came out in a 10-day period, but I've been working on it for 10 years. Yeah, you've been like mulling it over. Yeah. Or it was a short story previously or you have all of these. You that's know. the other thing too about writing. Some people are like, well, I don't know what I would say about it. Well, just start writing because mm-hmm. – Mark Batterson says, writing is prayer with a keyboard. I've found sometimes I get the greatest clarity about what I actually think and believe about something as I'm writing it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually what I believe. Yeah, I actually have to typically go back and reevaluate whether or not I believe what I'm writing. I have to do that when I'm, when I'm speaking. And you just too. have to remove all the heresy from your art? No, like I just, <laughs> I, I constantly will talk because my favorite thing in life is being the devil's advocate. So I love arguing for a point that I don't even necessarily agree with. Just because I think that like it helps the truth win out whenever mm-hmm. all sides are fought for, right? So sometimes in an attempt to just like fight for the truth, I'll fight for lies, and so I have to be like, wait a second, that's not really what I believe, and I'll have to. Uh, that's my own dysfunction. That's weird. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think well, everybody hey, so should write the, a book. Yeah. What's the uh, what's what's your favorite book right now? Oh, hands down, Twelve Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson. Yeah. So yours is a nonfiction. But I've realized that most. Many people don't like that book because I, re- I recommend it to people and they're like, what in the world did you tell me to buy? <laughs> and I'm like, push past the first chapter, man. Uh, it's, it's an incredibly thought-provoking book. Yeah. I would probably say mine, I'm, I'm really into the Harry Potter seven books. Also very thought-provoking. Very No, those are fantastic books. I would recommend, it, they're, they're well-written. I'm not saying nice. they're not fantastic. I'm, yeah. I just, I'm saying they're thought-provoking. Yeah, okay. (laughs) We'll make fun of you next episode. All right.